You're welcome. It's 11.07. Brian, I don't know where you find these stories. Uh, good Lord. Emotional support alligator? Yeah, you don't have one of those? Uh, no. And oh, I, wait. Yeah, you have a cat. I, I forgot. Which I would gladly feed to it. <laughs> Uh, Congressman uh, Blaine Lutkemeyer was on uh, sister station KWOS, and um, I'm just going to play the audio here to start. Freedom Caucus for a long, long time, and they want to shut down. They think it's in their best interest for themselves personally. They don't care about the country. They don't care about their issues. This is about them personally. I disagree with uh, Representative Lutkemeyer. I don't think they want a shutdown. I think they want the government to rein in spending. And if, if you know, if the government won't do that, if Congress won't do that, well, we're doomed. He thinks it's for their own political gain. But I'm guessing guys like uh, Matt Gates and others in that group want you to say, we're going to cut spending. Representative Lutkemeyer, we are $33 trillion in debt. Stop spending. You're in a hole and you want to keep digging. These members of the Freedom Caucus at least are willing to stand on principle. They recognize that the republic will collapse, and for political gain, I would argue you're the one willing for political gain to say, we'll just roll over on this and let them have the money. We'll just roll over on this. I think I think you're guilty of what you're accusing them of being which is interested only in your own political gain. Look, I have no problem with the government shutting down. I don't know if anybody listening to me right now is terrified that the government would shut down. I'm not I'm not terrified of that. I frankly think if the government were run the way it's supposed to be run government shutdown would be a good thing if unfortunately government doesn't run by uh, anything even close to normal in the outside world in the outside world, when you're doing your bookkeeping, it all has to match up. It all has to work out. When you cut spending, you're actually cutting spending. In the world of the government, when you increase the money less than you expected to increase the money, they call it a cut. They do this thing called baseline budgeting. You'd never get away with it in the private marketplace. And when you're slowly draining every resource and you're up to your eyeballs in debt, that's when you turn things around and you go the other way. 
you stop the spending. You, you, you scrimp and save and try and fill the hole that you're in so you can eventually walk out of it. But in Washington, no. It just, it keep, just keep digging. I don't, I don't have any problem with Matt Gates or anybody in the Freedom Caucus standing on their principles. And if, you know, if you want to shut down the government, well, if, if you won't comply and cut spending when it is the right thing to do, then you're at fault. I think what a lot of Republicans who preach small government, low taxes, less spending, and all that nonsense, what they really want is to tell you that's their goal, but just keep doing what they've been doing and not change anything until they can get out of office. They're not going to be stuck holding the bag. They'll be out of office. Who will remember little Blaine Lutkemeyer from Missouri when he rolled over on debt and spending? Nobody. I think, I think you're wrong. And, and, and by the way, um, I have had Representative Lutkemeyer on the program in the past, and we have our differences on, on, on this issue, on the spending and economics issue. I actually like the guy. I think he's a nice guy. But I think he's wrong here. 874-9390-800-529-5572. To the phones we go. Tim is on the line. Good morning. Gary, Good morning. Up? Yes, Tim. Hey, um, I agree with you wholeheartedly about Blaine Lukemeyer. He's weak. I've recently contacted his office on two separate occasions for assistance with government corruption. I've not gotten back. I've not gotten a letter, an email, a phone call. I've not gotten any communication from his office. I think a little accounting in his office and his bank accounts might be in order because that dude, I'm telling you, he needs to go. I know he's been there for a long time now, but that dude is as corrupt as the rest of them in Washington, D.C., and if anybody, I don't care who don't like what I'm saying, it is true. It is true. Well, so, wait, 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 wait. I disagree with him. I don't know that he's corrupt. I think he is wrong on several issues, but how, I don't. How are you, how are you going to be, how are you going to be putting this country over the com complete fiscal edge and not be corrupt, Gary? Explain that. I didn't say he was, you know, principled on his conservative stands. I'm just saying that is corruption. the implication. When you're thinking a country, Gary. That is corruption. Well, the and implication. His, the implication. The implication is that he's on the take somewhere, and I don't. And I don't. I want to make sure people understand that is not something that I agree with. Do I think he's standing on the principles of limited government, lower taxes, and less spending? No. I think he's a go-along-to-get-along kind of guy. All right, Tim, well, thank we just, you. We just, yeah. All right, buddy, appreciate it. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. John, good morning. You know, you got a really interesting topic right here because 
I'm the one that I've always believed, as my father and mother believed, that they should function economically. We should not be borrowing money. We should not be doing all this other stuff. Maybe a little bit temporarily, but for the most part, we should stand on our own two feet and not borrow money. That's they, But they, they came up during the Depression. They seen what borrowing money did. So... Am I wrong? I don't think so. Well, we're going to have a surprise um, in in the coming years because the uh, the the debt where the interest rate was really really low, they could roll it over and just keep it going. But now the Federal Reserve has been cranking up interest rates, and when they roll it over, those payments are going to grow. They're going to be bigger. And at some point, you're not going to have enough money left over after you service the debt, pay out Medicare and Social Security and food stamps and everything else to defend the country. We're we're spending ourselves into oblivion. And at least Matt Gates and the Freedom Caucus are fighting to prevent that from happening. There's there's a factor that falls into there, and I think you touched on it, and that is... The debt. We we are so far in debt, way way farther than we could ever dream of paying off at some point in time. I, I don't think we could ever dream of paying it off. We just want to kick that can down the road a little bit farther, and then what's going to happen when the debt is finally called in? What's going to happen? And I don't think we're going to. I don't think any of us are going to like it. I, I don't think so either. All right, John, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. 874-9390, toll-free, 800-529-5572. The libs of TikTok uh, are at it. Uh, We'll uh, see if we can get to some of that. And Michigan Supreme Court has approved some new rules. Oh, dog vomit. Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network. 21 minutes after 11 o'clock, and uh, we're talking about the uh, potential of a uh, government shutdown. I, is anybody within the sound of my voice terrified at this? Anybody anybody listening to me now, are you afraid of a government shutdown? And why? Why are you afraid? I would venture a bet that most of you who are, who are concerned about a government shutdown are concerned about it because of politics. Come on, admit it. It's politics, isn't it? You're not really concerned that the government will shut down. Your concern is politics. Just exactly what Blaine Lutkemeyer was blaming Matt Gates and the Freedom Caucus uh, for. Brian, are you are you at all concerned about a, a government <laughs> no, shutdown? Not at all. Not, not going to hurt slightest. you. No. Uh-uh. No. But I mean, you can, like you said, it's it's all political. And if the government does shut down, the Democrats will be screaming bloody murder, blaming the Republicans and people dying on the streets. And, you know, the same yeah. old stuff we hear. So it's every politics. Single, yeah. That's the only concern. But the, but the Republicans have been so weak, so spineless on this issue. I don't think they've ever stood up to a government shutdown. And no. Why. They do Ever. it, and then they back off, and in the moment and they get they back blamed. Off. Well, what did you wait for? Yes. Why didn't you just 
go along with them in the beginning. Why didn't you stand on your principles? Well, we were getting beaten up politically. Well, then you're not principled. <laughs> they just don't learn, do they? No, but if they, if you, and I've said this in the past, you shut down the government, and the first thing that happens is the news media begins to highlight anybody who's not getting as much money as they were getting before from the government. They're not getting the government largesse. Oh, all these people are going to be starving to death. They're going to be, uh, they're going to be falling apart in the streets. There's all this uh, rigmarole about uh, you know just what exactly uh, is going to happen when the government shuts down. But it's 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 just politics. It's just politics. So you stand your ground, and eventually, it when you stand on principle the story begins to change. Somewhere down the road, it becomes, well, why, why aren't we cutting spending? The message seeps out. We're $33 trillion in the hole. All these guys are trying to do is cut spending. Eventually, you'll win. But the moment you toss your hat in, the moment you, you're, you tore your hat out, rather, you, the moment you, you quit, everybody wonders why you did it in the first place. Stand your ground and you'll win. Don't let up. Get in front of every microphone you can. Say, we've had it. We're tired of this. We're not going to deficit spend. We're going to cut spending. We're going to pay attention to the, to the budget. We're going to do things according to Hoyle. We're not going to just go along and, uh, to get along. You'll win. But if you keep caving... You will always be the goat. Republicans have to grow a pair. Uh, Blaine, I, I, I think you are guilty of what you allege the uh, Freedom Caucus is guilty of. Princeton. Who doesn't want their kid to come away with a degree from Princeton? You know, you talk Princeton, Harvard, Yale, wow. And for $83,000, Princeton will train your son to be a drag queen. Brian, where did you find this? I mean, how on earth uh, do you PJ dig this Media. stuff up? Yeah. It costs a staggering $83,000 to send a student to Princeton University, and that's just one year. <laughs> Four years of this August, this August Ivy League school will set you back more than a quarter of a million dollars. Well, you, I mean, he can use this in his future career, right? <laughs> oh, God. Can't make it up, can you? For that kind of money, you could have bought a brand new Corvette convertible every year and had some spare change left over. But Princeton, well, they got some benefits you might not be able to Tool around in in the glorious sunshine with the wind blowing in your hair. No. For all that dough, Princeton will take your thoughtful, intelligent son and turn him into a prancing, preening, children's innocence-stealing drag queen. And they'll do that in just one year. In case you can't afford all four. The College Fix says, uh, and they reported this Thursday, that Princeton has launched a new drag university program that purports to, quote, train students in the art form. 
Do parents send their children to Princeton for this? Are there any parents out there that are trying to get this for their kids? The story by Robert Spencer is at PJ Media. Can you imagine telling your relatives, hey, my son's going to Princeton this year. Oh, what's he majoring in? Uh, Prancing. Drag queens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Lord. Oh, geez. You can't make it up. The course goes for the entire academic year, covers a sweeping array of pressing issues that every young man who will be graduating from college and facing the future in the next few years needs to know. They include the history of drag, sewing 101, choreography, face painting, photo shoots, and other topics. You know, it sounds like it's coming from the Babylon Bee. It does, doesn't it? If I weren't reading this right, you know, from the PJ Media, if, if I hadn't gotten this information from them, I would think, well, this is the Babylon Bee. <laughs> yeah, no, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> it's insanity. Such insanity. Uh, maybe it's us, Brian. Maybe it's just you and me. Maybe we're just... Uh, 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 just out of... Uh, yeah, maybe we're the kooks and we yeah. just don't know it. Oh, Lord. All right. Um, I got to move on. And it is an issue that I have tried to explain to listeners over and over again. I've tried to explain this to Republican politicians. And they don't... They don't seem to get it. So... In watching the debate on Fox News, Republican after Republican talked about things like shutting down the border and stopping fentanyl from coming into the country. I just read a story. I I actually saw a story on Fox News where some guy was stopped. He had had the uh, audacity to carry a package with fentanyl-laced drugs on the subway, I think it was in New York, and they arrested him and found the drugs on him. And everybody is, and, and, and I love the dramatics, the melodramatic, and it's only a few blocks away from where that little boy died in a, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, where they're babysitting the kids. Um, I don't know where the word has disappeared. I'm having a Biden moment, but... That just adds to the drama that this guy had fentanyl-laced drugs on him just a few blocks away from that nursery school. Well, look, you're not going to stop it. These Republicans can scream about it. Democrats can legislate about it. You are not going to stop it. You're better off unplugging it than trying to stop it. And I I don't know why people don't get this. I don't understand why we don't understand, especially conservatives. Conservatives of any group understand the laws of supply and demand. How can they possibly be missing this obvious way to stop fentanyl from coming into the country without firing a bullet or arresting anybody. That's next on the Gary Nolan Show.
This is the Gary Nolan Show. 1135. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. I, uh, I watched this news story about this guy who had smuggled uh, fentanyl. And they caught him in New York a couple of blocks from where this kid in a daycare center had just died because he'd been exposed to fentanyl. And they talked about the lethality of it. That there was enough to kill every man, woman, and child in the country in that uh, package. And boy, they, they all talk about it. Republicans talk about it. Democrats talk about it. Oh, we have to stop the fentanyl from coming into the country. I'm particularly disturbed with Republicans because they understand the laws of supply and demand. They're a little bit more rational on, the, on economics. They understand that uh, the marketplace will do what it can to fill a void. There's a little bit more economics involved in this than just the basic law uh, supplies of law and de- uh, supply and demand, laws of supply and demand. If you're going to smuggle something and take the risk of being incarcerated or having your stash stolen, you want the smallest, most concealable package you can get. Because it's harder to spot, harder to find. And fentanyl is exceedingly powerful and dangerous because it is so powerful. But it's easier to smuggle because it's so small. You can, just a small package of it will will go a long way. So if you're a smuggler and you're going to supply the demand for drugs... What are you going to do? You're going you're to get boxes and boxes of pills that take up a ton of room that are easily exposed? Or are you going to get a small package of fentanyl, incredibly powerful, at least as powerful as all those boxes and boxes of pills, and you can smuggle it in? We are creating this problem. You can cut off people's hands. You can send the military into Mexico. You can declare war on China. You can build a wall that's 50 feet high. You can put armed guards around it, top it with barbed wire. You can put a moat with alligators in it all around that wall. And I guarantee you the drugs will still come into the country. In fact, if you go to that extreme and to that extent, they'll find a way to find an even more powerful drug that's even more concealable and bring it into the country. The problem here is so simple. Some of you are right now listening to me going, oh, no, 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 we can't legalize drugs. We can't have someone walk into a drugstore willy-nilly And get a pharmaceutical that they want. Because, oh, we'll all become drug addicts. So ask yourself two questions. If they legalize drugs tomorrow. If you could buy, if you'd walk into Walmart and pick up a dose of heroin. Would you do it? Probably not. So your fear is, 
oh, it's the other guy. It's always the other guy. We have to write these laws to protect the other guy from himself. Because somehow that's our job, to protect them from their own behavior. It's not our job. We can warn them, we can admonish them, we can educate them. But it's not our job to prevent them from abusing themselves. It is their right, it is their body. If you get rid of the war on drugs and get the government out of this, the price of pharmaceuticals fall through the floor. I mean pennies on the dollar. You don't have to steal cars. You don't have to club people over the head. Just walk into the store with a couple of bucks and get what you want. But here's the other question I want you to ask yourself. If you think I'm wrong, if you think it's better that people who want to self-medicate go buy from some strange drug dealer in the middle of the night in a terrible neighborhood. If you think, because that's what's going on now, that that's okay, because we're declaring war. Ask yourself if your son or daughter decided to self-medicate, got hooked on drugs, would you rather they be in that terrible neighborhood in the middle of the night Carrying money to a drug dealer? Or would you rather they go to Walgreens and ask for a pharmaceutical that they want? Do you want them risking getting a fentanyl-laced pill that will kill them? Or would you rather they go into the drugstore and know exactly what they're getting? I don't know about you, but if there's any member of my family that is ever addicted to any drug that wants to get their hands on an opioid, I would much rather they get it from a drugstore and a druggist than a stranger in the middle of the night in the worst part of town. I don't understand why Republicans don't get this. This war on drugs is creating more and more powerful drugs because they're in smaller and smaller and more easily uh, smuggled packages. And they're bringing it into the country. And, and, and I've pointed this out in the past. There are people who overdose on drugs in prison. In prison, they're getting those drugs. If they can do that, if they can get their hands on those drugs when they, they've got armed guards and barbed wire and tall fences and everything else, and they're, and they're behind iron bars, if they're somehow getting those in to prison, how do you think you're going to stop them from smuggling across the Arizona, California, or Texas border? Do you think you can seal every inch? And what about drones? Do you, do you think you can stop that? And what if they put those drugs in a, uh, in a boat and sail it around and, and bring it into L.A.? Do you think they're going to catch that? We've been fighting this quote-unquote war on drugs 
since 1968. And we had other previous uh, incursions into freedom uh, dealing with pharmaceuticals prior to that, and they were always a failure. But we have this declared war on drugs. How long will it take to realize this is not a war you can win? And then there's the legal aspect. When we had declared war on alcohol, you had to amend the Constitution to give the government the power to do that. When did they amend the Constitution to give the government the power to declare war on drugs? They didn't. It's not even legal. It's not even constitutional. And if right now, as you're listening to me, you still believe it is your job to protect people from their own behavior, to try at gunpoint, quite literally, to stop somebody from abusing themselves, then we had better start sending the fat police out to arrest anybody who's overweight. We'd better start arresting people who smoke, drink, don't exercise. What? I thought you cared about other people and how they behave and how to, and, and that they might be abusing themselves. Oh, but you have an arbitrary line you draw. I am tired of watching the Republicans in every single public appearance tell me that they're going to stop fentanyl from coming into the country. Find me a prison where you stopped it from coming into the prison and then we'll start talking. 874-9390, toll free 800-529-5572. Back to the phones when we come back on a Froster Buns Friday on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. It is 1150. Glad to have you on board on a Froster Buns Friday. Going to go back to the phones, tell you what's coming up. Uh, and uh, we, we've got this uh, audio from uh, Jim Jordan, and I want to get to that. We got a full 10 minutes here. Let me get Dan in here very quickly. Dan, good morning. Hey, Gary, how you doing? I am well, Dan. I am so thankful. Okay, I'm so thankful for my cell phone because I can listen to you anywhere in the United States. Yeah. And I'm in, I'm in Tennessee somewhere right now. But um, I, I told my wife, hey, get your cell phone and turn Gary on. And I said, she said, what? What do you want me to do? Take a picture or something and send it to him? Said, no, <laughs> turn on the program. <laughs> Your um, wife turns me on. My father, if I would have done anything like uh, going in and stealing stuff, and I, I think it caught once, my dad would have knocked me in the next zip code. Yeah. Um, uh, let me, Dan, hang on a second. Dan, Dan, hang on just a second. What Dan's talking about is a topic we discussed earlier in the program about all these kids swarming into these retail places, tearing the place up and stealing whatever they want. And, and I was asking about, you know, how, how we got here. And Dan just said, yeah, if he'd done anything even close to that, his father would have knocked him into the next zip code. Yeah, and I would have landed right next to you. Yeah, I hear you. Um, quick shout. I got a lot of things to say, but I know we're short on time. Quick shout out to um, Missouri University Hospital System. I've had some issues, and that, those guys, in my mind, are tops. They're, Beautiful. They just uh, do a hell of a job. Gary, have a good weekend. All right, Dan. Thank you.
<laughs> Glad to have you in the carry. At least, you know, Brian, he's not in that hospital in Ohio. I know. Where they propped up the dead woman and, <laughs> and told the family, you know, I think we should unplug her. Oh, oh man. man. That is so That's wrong. That's so sick. The story, we read the story yesterday. Apparently this woman uh, was undergoing uh, a, a surgery that was not really terribly dangerous. But... The doctor that performed the surgery, who has uh, some questionable... Uh, uh, Wasn't dangerous until he clipped an artery. Yeah, well, that made things go really yeah. south really fast. So instead of admitting that he died, un, you know, uh, while he was, uh, she was under the knife, they propped her up in a hospital bed and hooked her up to a vent and, and then said, well, we, we don't think she's going to make it. <laughs> she was already dead. Oh, my God. I would be so furious. Oh. All right, uh, but they don't do that at Mizzou uh, or at the university uh, hospital. Rich, good morning on a Frost Your Buns Friday. Good morning. Hey, Gary, it's nice to hear your voice. Um, I wanted to maybe give you something a little light to think of today. Today is Hank Williams Sr.'s 100th birthday. And I've never heard on any of the music outlets or news outlets. It's like they forgot. But I think that, you know, we kind of need a little Americanism right now. And you can't get more American than Hank Williams Sr. You know, so uh, uh, just wanted everybody to stop with the politics for a minute and give a think about some music. All right, have a, Rich. Have a good weekend. Thank you. Glad to have you in the Gary Nolan Show. You know what else today is, Brian? I do. National Coffee Day. Is it really? Wow. Yeah. I've been celebrating since uh, 5 a.m. You actually have been celebrating since you were 13, but <laughs> that had nothing to do with this. I uh, I love coffee. Um, I, I probably consume way too much of it. Uh, and, and I've gotten lazy. I always... Always made my coffee in a press. If you haven't done that, it is it is just the most mellow cup of coffee. You got to get a coffee mill. Don't get a coffee grinder. Grinders will have a blade and they sling around the beads, uh, the beans, and they and it actually heats them up. You want a mill. You mill the coffee beans. You put them in the French press. You get some uh, water, you boil it, about 10 seconds off the, off the boil, you pour it in the press. Put the plunger up on top. Wait about four minutes and bring it down. And now you have, uh, it's almost espresso at that point. Or what you can do is add hot water to it. I pour it in a thermos and add hot water. Until you have just exactly the right mix of, for the perfect flavor. And that's what, that's what uh, I used to do it all the time. Now a lot of times I get lazy and I just hit the machine and pop a pod in there. But that is a terrific way to make a cup of coffee. And today is National Coffee Day, so I shared my recipe. Now I'm going to get off the uh, uh, microphone and, and go make myself a pot of coffee. You carry it from here, Brian. I'll be right back. Okay, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, but you've had coffee. I've made coffee for when you were over the house, didn't I? Yes, you have. And it was delish. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great way to make coffee. We have an espresso machine here at work, but I seldom go back to that. Because you it does used take, to. No, we still do. No, you used to go back there and well, make Americanos. I mean, occasionally I will when I have time, but when do I have time? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, 
it is uh, very delicious when you have the time to make an espresso. Yeah, we and he's not kidding. It is a beautiful machine back there. It's a commercial machine. We we're actually affiliated with a, a coffee company. Can we can we mention? Yeah, we can of? talk about Caldi's. Yeah, yeah. Caldi's Coffee is under the same umbrella as Zimmer Radio, uh, and I think that's where they they got this espresso machine. And uh, when we first got it, Brian, you went back there pretty often. You yeah. were making those things like there's no tomorrow. Yep. Uh, boy, that is, you know. <clears throat> Later tonight, when everybody is out of the building, let's go back and take the machine. <laughs> you know? Well, now you're recorded, so, you oh. know, well, you're you busted know, already. Be like those looters, you know? Yeah, I was thinking about that. <laughs> I was thinking about that. All right, uh, before I forget, you got Glenn Beck. He is uh, he's uh, just about to get in. Uh, then uh, you'll have Sean Hannity and then Randy Tobler. I meant to have Randy on the show uh, for the last three days, to talk about the Food and Drug Administration, and we just we couldn't uh, make that happen. But maybe next week we'll bring in Randy Tobler and talk about that, because uh, I think the Food and Drug Administration needs to go away completely. It's killing more people than it's uh, than it saves. But we'll see if we can arrange that. In the meantime, uh, I'm sure he is going to have a boatload of great guests and great conversations. Uh, that will be from 4 until 6. Tomorrow morning, you don't wake up with Brandon Rathard. There's a joke in there, but I, I'm not going to use it. Uh, no, tomorrow morning, it is Gary on Guns. And I believe it's Potterhorn Guns and Archery that are going to be on board I think it is, yes. Uh, so we'll talk about uh, what's going on in the world of the Second Amendment. And uh, we'll find out what... For the, we have a segment of the program, if you haven't listened, called Show and Tell, where they bring in, you know, three or four guns or rifles or shotguns uh, to highlight. And it's always... It's my favorite part of the show. Nothing thrills me more than playing with firearms. I know. People are going to get upset that I said playing with, but... Uh, it, is a, it is a great way to find out what's going on in the world of uh, self-protection and to get yourself some great deals on some incredible firearms. That all comes up tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Uh, I don't know if I have enough time for the Jordan audio, Brian. We it do not. Yeah. a little too long, uh, so maybe, maybe we'll get around to playing it on Monday. Uh, I had another one, Libs of TikTok, TikTok and that's uh, like two and a half minutes. I don't have time for that either. So we're going to have to run. But remember, whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. Gwen, baby. Honey, I'm coming home.